Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. All believers have their favorite verses, verses that just seem to minister particularly to us in our situation. But one verse that deserves to be on every list is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen to the Apostle Paul in this marvelous verse. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord Spirit. Why is this verse so particularly important? Because it brings us face to face with the Lord Jesus in an intimate and personal way, but also in a way whereby we are infused transfused, even transformed by Christ himself as the very life-giving spirit. Bob Danker has joined us for a marvelous fellowship, important fellowship, profound fellowship. I don't mean to overstate, Bob, but is there another verse in the Bible that is of greater, I would say, importance to the believers in the body of Christ? I would say that uh, this is one of the most important verses. It shows us, first of all, how the New Testament ministers are produced. What kind of persons can right. participate right. in the ministry of the New Testament? And, of course, we all should be such ministers. Every believer should be such a minister. This verse reveals how to produce those ministers through the transforming by the life-giving Spirit. We all need to be transformed by the Lord as the Spirit so that we can be the real ministers of the New Covenant. This is the context, as you well pointed out, uh, the portion, this portion of the word, chapters three, four, five, six, maybe seven, I think as well, all in this section on, uh, the characteristics or the qualities of the New Testament ministers. We just came through a portion whereby we saw the ministry and its victory and its triumph, Christ leading this triumphal procession uh, with all of us as the vanquished foes who have been in a, who have been marvelously defeated and conquered by him and now become his, uh, his followers in rejoicing to be such defeated ones. But the ministers now and how they're constituted is really the context in which this significant verse falls, isn't it? That's right, Chris. This is a very, very enlightening portion of the Bible because I think many believers, they have a concept concerning, first of all, what is the ministry mm-hmm. and then who's qualified to, to to carry out the ministry in the church and how uh, you can become a minister. And uh, this verse brings us to the very center and the essence of this matter and enlightens us all and even encourages us all that we all can be such ministers. 
Well, of course, this verse is found in a particular context. That context begins, uh, or at least we'll pick it up today, in verse 15 of chapter 3. Indeed, unto this day, whenever Moses is read, referring to the Old Testament, a veil lies upon their heart. But whenever their heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And before we can experience this kind of uh, infusing, transforming, beholding and reflecting, Clearly, the veil must be removed. Why don't we join Witness Lee with the first portion? This book covers the ministry first, then the ministers. Paul talks about his uh, journey. And that journey actually was the ministry, was the uh, procession of the victorious ministry. So this book begins with the ministry. From the ministry it goes on to the ministers. The first point concerning the ministers is that the new covenant ministers are persons constituted, not taught, not trained, but constituted by and with the Lord as a life-giving and transforming spirit. In uh, the previous section, when Paul gives us the comparison of the two ministries, he calls the old ministry the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. Then he calls the new ministry the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of righteousness. Now it goes on to the ministers. And in this first point of the ministers, the Spirit is described mainly of two aspects the life-giving aspect and the transforming aspect. The word life-giving is here and the word transforming is also here. We could see the constitution of the uh, New Testament ministers. These ministers are just persons constituted with such a spirit that gives life and transforms us. Bob, you mentioned earlier uh, the qualifications that we would typically associate with uh, the ministry and uh, training, uh, you know, seminary, uh, things like this would surely come to most people's minds. But he is not headed at all in that, that direction, is he? I'm talking about he, the Apostle Paul, here in Second Corinthians, as he's talking about the real qualifications for the New Testament ministers. That's right, Chris. You know, Paul was a person, before he was saved, he was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. Right. No doubt, maybe that was the equivalent of our seminary at the time. Uh -huh. He learned yeah. the Old Testament scriptures, and he was very highly educated. Uh, but, you know, this didn't qualify him at all to be a minister in God's New Testament ministry. 
Uh, it made Paul a old covenant minister, a minister of death and condemnation. condemnation. <laughs> it did not make him a minister of the spirit and of righteousness, of life and of righteousness. No. Paul had to be reconstituted in his very inner being mm. by the spirit who gives life and who transforms the believers. Paul had to be transformed. Uh, he had to be saturated and permeated with this life-giving spirit. Then he could minister the spirit to others. So God's new covenant ministry is a ministry that transmits, that dispenses, that infuses the life-giving spirit into those who receive the ministry. The only way we can be qualified for such a ministry is to be filled and saturated with such a spirit and to be transformed by such a spirit. It's not education. It's not how many degrees you have you know, uh, academically. How many letter dot, letter dot, letter, letter dot after your name. <laughs> after your name that qualifies you for the ministry. It's how much the life-giving spirit has been constituted into your being. Life-giving spirit and transforming spirit, these are the characteristics here, aren't they, that are really uh, emphasized. That's right. Uh, in verse 6, yeah. 2 Corinthians 3, it says, The letter, that's the letter of the Scriptures, kills, but the Spirit gives life. Here the Spirit is the life-giving Spirit, the Spirit who dispenses, who imparts the divine life into God's people. And then in verse 18, the one you read at the beginning, Chris, right. the Spirit is the transforming Spirit. The transformation is carried out by the Lord Spirit. Bob, Paul now, as we get to uh, uh, verse 16, let me read it again. I read it a moment ago. But whenever their heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Here we are seeing a qualification, a kind of a pointer from the apostle, from his firsthand experience, receiving Christ, coming out of this uh, very religious situation and background. Even he was a persecutor of the church, of the believers to the to the utmost. And yet he receives this kind of, transforming spirit because primarily initially his heart turned let's go back to witness lee who are the persons that have been constituted the persons like soft tarsus who have their heart turned to the lord on the way to damascus when he heard the call saul saul why are you persecuting me Right away, unconsciously, his heart turned to the Lord. Why? Because at the time his heart turned, he called Lord. He called the Lord unconsciously. Lord, who are you? He didn't know who was the Lord. Yes, he called the Lord, Lord. Isn't this wonderful? Before that calling, his eyes saw everything. After that calling, his eye became blind. <laughs> And the Lord told him, you better go to my little disciple, Ananias. Go to him. There we are told the scales fell off. His eyes became bright. He got the light. The veil was taken away because the heart of Saul of Tarsus turned to the Lord. So the veil was taken away. My, what light this man has received. 
All the 14 epistles were written under this light. Who else has ever seen so much light as he did? Just because one thing, his heart turned to the Lord, and the will was taken away. Bob, this passage that he's talking about in Acts chapter 9 and then relating it to 2 Corinthians, this has to be a great encouragement, I would say, to all of us. Here's Saul of Tarsus, who, uh, this religious persecutor, on his way to Damascus to bind up the callers, in other words, the Christians, the believers who were calling on the name of the Lord, and yet he becomes a caller in this moment when his heart turns to the Lord, and look what comes out, how much light ultimately poured through our brother. Yes, Chris, Paul was radically, I would say, revolutionized (laughs) by his experience on the road to Damascus. Before that time, he was a person absolutely immersed in the Jewish religion, which was based on the law of Moses. So whenever he read the scriptures, the most precious thing to him was the law. And uh, he persecuted these believers in Jesus who had basically abandoned the law of Moses and had turned to this one who called himself the Son of God. He persecuted them. So his heart at that time was absolutely not turned to the Lord. He was away from the Lord. Even he was against the Lord. But then he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he had a radical turn in his inner being. He called on the name of the Lord, and his heart turned to the Lord. And as he said there in verse 16, the veil was taken away. Immediately after he went to see Ananias, it says he was there praying for three days, and Ananias found him. Mm -hmm. So he was there uh, in the Lord's presence. His eyes physically were blind, but eventually the scales fell off. That is an indication that inwardly his inner spiritual eyes had been opened up to see all the divine and spiritual things And uh, these things are mainly the things related to Christ and to his body, the church. So Paul could write 14 epistles full of Christ and uh, full of the riches of Christ and full of the revelation of the body of Christ, the church. Why? Because his heart had turned to the Lord away from everything else that he had been pursuing before the Lord met him and his eyes were opened. The veils were taken away, and he was able to see the divine and spiritual things. Bob, we don't lift up anyone other than Christ himself. That includes the Apostle Paul. It includes Witness Lee, Watchman Nee. No one really should ever be exalted or lifted up. But on the other hand, we have to acknowledge what the Lord has accomplished through certain vessels. The Bible also tells us to remember the ones from whom we received of the revelation. And here was Paul, uh, this one, and how much light did he receive? He, he makes this comment, we just heard it. But even Peter, at one point, you know, his talking about Paul sort of indicates that even the other apostles had realized by this time the degree of revelation that was coming through the apostle Paul exceeded anything else on the earth at that time, didn't it? That's right. Paul was a man who, uh, even in his own words, he says he saw visions and revelations and uh, in Second Corinthians, later yeah, in this book, right. he saw God's economy. He saw the all-inclusive Christ. He saw the church as the body of Christ. No one had ever seen 
these things that Paul saw, all because uh, the Lord had turned Paul's heart to the Lord so that the veil could be taken away. In principle, we all need to have this kind of experience. Otherwise, when we read the scriptures, we will be like the Jews, yeah. those who are veiled and veiled. unable to see anything. But if we will turn to the Lord and seek him in a pure and absolute way, the veils will be taken away, and we will see what Paul has seen, what Watchman Nee saw, what Witness Lee has seen. Uh, we can have our eyes opened, and the revelation that these brothers received can become ours. And significantly, what Paul saw when his heart turned immediately was Christ. And that is always the object of genuine spiritual seeing, isn't it? Absolutely. Witness Lee mentioned uh, when Paul met the Lord, the Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? Yeah. And then Paul said, Who are you, Lord? So, actually, you're absolutely right, Chris. When we read Paul's epistles, we see the highest revelation of Christ. And, of course, we also see the church as the body of Christ. This is the revelation that the Apostle Paul saw, which no one before him had ever seen. Let's come back, Bob, uh, to the verse we opened with today. And we'll pick it up a little earlier so we get the context. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord Spirit. Here's Witness Lee with our final portion today. When the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and furthermore, the Lord is the Spirit who gives us freedom. And the heart is freed from the bondage of the letter of the law. Not only the veil is taken away. And one more thing. That is the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In the Greek expression, this kind of freedom, the Spirit of the Lord, means the two are one. The two are one. It doesn't mean the Spirit is one, the Lord is one. The Spirit of the Lord is just one with the Lord. So according to the context of this section, which starts at 2.12, the Lord here must refer to Christ. This then is a strong word in the Bible telling us emphatically that Christ is the Spirit. The Lord Christ of verse 16 is the Spirit. When the heart turns to the Lord, three things are here. Number one, the veil is taken away. Number two, the Lord is the freeing spirit, frees us from the bondage of the law. And number three, with the unveiled face, we, as a mirror, behold and reflect the glory of the Lord, thus being transformed into his image from glory to glory. We are now beholding the Lord, then we reflect him. 
our face should be fully unveiled that we may see well and reflect properly. Okay, when we with unveiled face are beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord, He infuses us with the elements of what He is and what He has done. Thus we are being transformed metabolically to have His life shape by his life power, with his life essence, transformed mainly by the renewing of our mind into his image. Being transformed indicates that we are in the process of transformation. So, Bob, when the heart turns to the Lord, two things happen. Number one, this veil that has been on us, uh, veiling us, is taken away. But secondly, the Lord becomes the Lord's spirit, and where he is, there is a freeing liberation from all of the bondage. This is more than just what the uh, historical Christ can accomplish for us, isn't it? That's right. The historical Christ accomplished redemption for us and saves us from God's judgment. But even after being saved from condemnation, through the redemption of Christ, we still may be under the bondage of trying to keep the law or trying to live up to a certain standard. The Lord wants to free us from this so that he can infuse us with his element, his essence, and thereby transform us. If our hearts are not turned to him, then the veil remains on our heart. We remain under the bondage of the law, as Paul was before he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Paul was absolutely under the bondage of the law. Right. Read Romans 7. <laughs> he loved the law. He tried his best to keep it. But he said whenever he willed to do the good, he found that the evil was present with him. He right. said, right. wretched man that I am. This is one under bondage. This is a man under the bondage of the law. A wretched man. Who can free me? He said, who can deliver me? Then who can deliver us? Only Christ as the life-giving spirit, the liberating spirit, the spirit who frees us from the bondage under the law. This freedom then gives him the opportunity to dispense himself into us and to transform us with his life element, to have his image. Would you make a very brief comment about his uh, this phrase near the end of his speaking, that we're transformed into his life shape by his life power? Quite a statement. Yes, uh, Chris, whenever, of course, if you sow a seed into the ground, there's life in that seed, and that life is released and begins to grow up as a little plant. And the more it grows, the more it takes on a certain shape. And then eventually it becomes to the stage where it actually bears fruit or blossoms or bears beautiful flowers. All the, the shape of the fruit or the flowers mm -hmm. is altogether determined by the life that is in that little plant. So we have the very divine life in us. When this life grows in us, it spontaneously transforms us into the image hmm. of Christ as the glorified God-man, to be the same as he is, so that we can express him. This is all accomplished by the divine life with the divine power of that divine life. And this is the transforming work that is ongoing whenever we are beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord. We really need to be constantly living in His presence, 
face to face with him and really having this uh, glory infused into our being. That's right, Chris. Our heart needs to be turned from everything else to this wonderful Christ. Always enjoy our fellowship, Bob. We hope you'll stay with us for the balance of our programs this week and all throughout this life study that we're in currently of Second Corinthians. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.